I'd like to invite you to my professional network on LinkedIn. Welcome to the Critical Channel. The show. Yeah, it's just a show. Just come on, guys. It's just a show. Just come and listen, have some fun, enjoy the beers. Today with Maxime Kravitz, Kieran Patel, Italo Vietro, and myself, Juan Bukoy. This week we got very annoyed by recruiters. So we're talking about job hunting. I just love getting these spam emails from Amazon. Like so I was looking for a job for about 10 minutes. Um, and in those 10 minutes, I was like, okay, let's put this little flag on, on LinkedIn, which says hiring or I'm looking for a job or something like that. I don't know what it says anymore, but I pressed that button. And like half a week later, I suddenly get spam emails from both Facebook and Amazon. Like, can we please use, can you please accept our licensing something, something, something because of GDPR, GDPR, uh, because we want to recruit you. Something, something, uh-huh. Yeah, oh, they because have... they can't even add you to the HR tool without yeah. checking the GDPR checkbox. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's amazing. I love GDPR even more now. So, yeah, I decided to ignore them because, honestly, I don't want to work for Facebook ever. Like Facebook is one of those companies where I don't see myself ever working. It's the, the like, fa- fang companies. Uh, yeah, I'm not, not super interested in, in being a fang. So it's Facebook, Apple, Google. Amazon, oh. Netflix, and Google. Uh, Come on, Amazon. if somebody offers you to be CTO of Amazon, you would do it. If someone yes. asked me to be CTO of Amazon, that's a completely different conversation. <laughs> yeah, also, I would still think twice, because if someone's asking me... me they, they, don't even, they don't even need to hear, to offer me a CTO position. I'll be happy with a director position. You make 400k a year, I'm happy with that. There have been a few occasions cool. where I've thought, you know what, I if like somebody... Especially when I actually knew how to do it, which is 10 years ago. But if somebody had offered me a job doing like SharePoint for a year for like a couple of hundred K, like it would be the worst year of your life. But fuck it, you do it for a year, right? Yes. And then I'll you're like tons of money. Well off for the rest of your life, honestly. Probably not <laughs> for the rest much. of your life, but it gives you a nice head start. I mean, then yeah. you, I mean, you yeah. invest and in blah blah blah, or you decide that oh, it wasn't that bad, so I can stay doing SharePoint for like a couple more or PowerPoint or whatever point. I used to know a guy more. like that. He wasn't happy. Uh, no, like you, I think was you, good, but he wasn't happy. I think you have to have a time limit on it. I think you would yeah. you would want to kill yourself if it was like going on indefinitely. I'm sure, I mean, okay, it's not for me. There are some people who it's probably for, and I'm not one of those people. Uh, second Same. that one. Yeah, I mean, depends. I I hear good things, I hear bad things about people working these fangs, and uh, I think it depends where you're going to land. I mean, even the company that Warner on. is about to leave is the same as we know, right? Uh, oh, yeah, like, it really depends um, on where you are. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind and of a different, different level to a fang. Though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but what I'm trying to say, even at that size, it's that. And imagine if you're fang size. It's like well, a I mean, freaking country. With, like with even, It doesn't matter. At some point, you have these internal politics playing a role. And then, of course, you have the forever management shovel. Like I think that's that's really one of those worst things. Like You finally found a manager you can work with, and then they shovel him somewhere else, and you're sitting there like, ah, crap. 
Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I have different opinions. But it, it really depends. Like, I think none of us can really tell. None of us ever worked in this company. It's just, hey, really what's happening there. So it's really hard to say. Unless you've worked on it, we can't really say much. Yeah, I've done, I've done big, big tech, but um, I think... I've done big tech as well. That I think there's, a, there's quite anything. a difference between big tech and one of these like oversized, kind of still a startup, but kind of not yeah. companies. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's, I know it's someone different. who works for GitHub, and one thing for sure, so they, Microsoft. they really love. Oh yeah, it's Microsoft. No. Yeah, they they really enjoy how process is organized. Like all this crappy things we used to argue about, like on days. Yeah. Nah, that just doesn't happen. Like these things are, like they really make your life much easier. Yeah, it really depends on your profile and which kind of company you like to work for. I mean. When you go to this big tax and you see a senior engineer earning 260K here in Berlin, which is normally what happens, um, then you start rethinking your life a little bit and you're like, well, it's not so bad if I spend a couple of years there and earn that m amount oh, yeah. of money. Not to mention stock options. and Yeah, no, the whole the package things. actually goes up to 400K for a senior engineer here in Berlin. And I know like at least a few of them. It's really a lot of money. Like it's ridiculous. And there is a reason why they're paying so much. Because they can. Because they can Not afford only, it. Because they can and because because exactly the same views you guys are having about the company of no, I don't want to work there because it must be crap. They have the same view, right? And so they have to pay you quite a lot so you stay. Otherwise you don't. And that's just a reality. So, so it is crap in some way. It could be crap depending on where you're going to be. For sure it's going to be crap. Um, it's like HelloFresh. It's crap where you're going to be. Depends where you're going to be, right? If no, you're in a really, nice like, team, it's going to be cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you can also, like, I personally couldn't just close my eyes when I saw a glimpse of what's going on in neighboring teams. Yeah. I'm not the guy who'd be like, oh, no, no, it's fine. They are doing some meaningless crap, but I'm okay <laughs> with that. I would exactly. be like... Oh, I've, I've learned to accept that. There is just, like, so at some point you're like, Guys, not my problem. Yeah. You you solve your issue even though you're not solving it, and you can even see them going every possible like you're already seeing kind of the the, the, the rabbit holes and then the dynamite caves and all but like they have nukes they're gonna jump into and you're sitting there like, Yeah, this is gonna be a nice disaster. Let's effort. see how many millions we waste. <laughs> see also episode three, right? <laughs> I mean maybe we shall we shall redirect this to some other yeah, something, um, no, actually, maybe we should first think about which topics we want to cover, because uh, I think there were some different expectations as well from from like recruiting side and then, uh, you know, preparing for for to find a job and so on. So, I mean, the 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 thing that we got written down for this episode is uh, in, in Italy's own words. Many engineers are looking for jobs these days, either because of Corona or just because they want something new. A lot don't know where to start, don't know how to be noticed in the flooded market, and specifically don't know even where to look for a new job. So how can we help our listeners to be uh, more noticeable and be more prepared when looking for a job? Uh, and also what a proper CV looks like and analyze some probably hypothetical CVs. Yeah, that's more or less what I, what I had in mind. Yeah, same Works. here. Exactly my expectation. All right. Good.
Um, yeah, I'm just putting my extra notes all together. All right. So, I mean, we have we have someone right here which just went through uh, a new job, right? Like finding a new job, uh, Warner. Yep. And you know, like I, I I always want to hear from people like how do you think you're promoting yourself when you're looking for a job, right? Like what kind of efforts you're going through to actually show uh, your work and, and, and things that you've done in the last, uh, in the last job that you've been um, to show off and to, to, to be noticed in the, in the sea of developers we have right now. Actually, um, I, I am just to hijack this a little bit. Yeah. Um, th so the first step before you're going through the whole interview process and before your CV, you're trying to make your CV stand out from everyone else's, the first step is choosing who even gets to see your CV. So what is it about a company that attracts, uh, that makes them an attractive company to work for? Okay. May I take one further? Yeah. Why okay. bother with a CV? Well, like, like okay, honestly, but, then, like but I, at the same time, who do you choose who to who to yeah. talk to? <clears throat> I think that is actually a very good question. Like, I actually was looking for a new job. Uh, I went for a very lazy effort, which was take the closest people I have in my network and look at the companies they have and see what what I liked. Uh, and lucky enough, my network is good enough to get actually some very nice offers out of that. Um, also. Uh, like that was good enough for me because again like it is it depends what you're looking for if you're somebody who has very high moral attitudes and and very high levels of like i don't want to work for this or i have to work for a fang or i want to actually have to work for a start a startup then it becomes a different conversation are you also starting from scratch i think that is a massive difference like if i look at myself like i got my last job like the job i currently still have uh, i got that through twitter uh, literally, I put a message on Twitter. I didn't even... Like, I think I made my CVs, CVs particularly... No, actually, that's true. I made that CV for three companies who I, I got... Who I picked out of the people who responded on Twitter. Um, and even the ones before that was pure worth to mouth. Uh, like, I think the only job I ever actively applied for was at a printing press company. Uh, and that was more by accident than anything else. Um, so, for me, it was maybe... a a lot of luck and just having a good network which has always saved me from having to do too much of a hassle that's actually not true i also had to promote myself for my job which i got in beijing um which actually did meant speaking uh, finding companies who were in beijing where i could speak dutch uh, or english um and actually um applying for those jobs um and that was actually a bit harder but even there it was the cv wasn't my first calling card my calling card was often my network like people who would vouch for me uh, and looking after that it was uh, like actually github helped me a lot back in the day or actually sourceforge as well where i had my open source project so people could actually see what type of code i was writing that actually i think helped me more than my cv which was still not too bad it was black and white and fully written in html css that helped yeah these days sourceforge will might work against you Better do mm. GitHub or something. I don't think it would hurt, but yeah, it's probably not the first thing that comes to people's minds. Yeah. A, there, there's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Hey, if it's the only thing, source it will definitely hurt. Hey, yeah. get, get some good open source work on that. Sure. 
so yeah, I, I mean, you know, looking at what you just said, like it, it's it's very much like a developer's view of how to promote themselves via, you know, via 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 GitHub, via SourceForge, or whatever. Um, other tool, you know, Stack Overflow responses. So there are many ways where you can you can show off your work aside from your CV, right? That works great when you are a developer and when you're looking for a developer role. Uh, perhaps if you're a manager of some sort, that's not going to 100% fit. Uh, depends, really depends like what kind of man- management you're doing. If it's more tech leadership, you still can show off a few things in this in this uh, in these networks. Um, otherwise, maybe some other things like articles and you know other uh, topics that you've written about um, books, even if you if you're into that. Um, otherwise, it's mainly standard CV, which goes along uh, you know uh, a long way there. Um, but even before going into how to promote yourself, I think what Kieran was was trying to you know uh, to to say is like how do you choose the company? Right, Kieran. Like, which mm-hmm. what attracts you in a company? Um, and and it, I mean, if I take my view on that, like, what really attracts me in a company is, is culture is the first thing ever, right? Even more than just uh, compensation, is how the company actually has uh, its culture. Not only engineering culture, but the whole company culture has to be something that I enjoy and that aligns with my values, right? Um, my moral values. Um, you know, like a lot of people say, Hey, I believe in the product and I believe that this is a nice product and it's something that I want to follow. I'm not going to join the company because I truly love the product. That's not the main reason why I'm joining. Um, this definitely helps if I like the product for sure, it's going to help, but it's not the main reason why I joined the company. Um, the main reason is because I like the culture and the teams that I'm going to join people that I'm going to work with every day. And then the kind of work that I'm going to do in there as well. So those are the things that attract me the most. Then goes compensation. Then goes uh, whatever other perks and things like that. That's the, the least of my concerns, to be honest. Um, so I think, um, you know, you're talking about the individual people that you're going to be working with, having a good culture and yeah. everything. And that is definitely something that um, something that's probably going to come up several times during this this episode is like, it, it's as much you interviewing the company as they're interviewing you. You yes. you are still trying to find that the company is the right fit for you as much as they're trying to figure out if you're somebody they want working there. Um, and that's how Absolutely. it should be. I've definitely turned down jobs before and they've been very surprised and they've been saying, oh, why? Like, we were going to give you the offer. And I'm like, well, it, it, I was interviewing you as well and I wasn't super happy with some of the things that you guys said. So, um but you know, but that's that's when you're already somewhat in the interview stage that you can start to to figure that out. Yeah. So, uh, I actually is, disagree with that one massively. Like, I was actually because when I was looking for jobs and I was actually scanning through through different pages and the companies. Like honestly, like there were a lot of companies that I literally just like looked at. I saw that they had open positions, read the position, and the first thing was, we're offering a challenging work experience, or yada, 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 one of those generic sentences. And the first thing I was like, okay, you're out. I think we're Close. on exactly the same page because you've just answered the question <laughs> I was about to ask, which is what is what is it about the job description that you see that, that is either a turnoff or that it kind of entices yeah. you? 
Yeah, because what you just said, for instance, like you turn down an offer just by looking at the job description. So either you know very well what you're looking for or you don't know at all what you're looking for. So it can be in the two extremes. No, it can also be like very, very badly written job description. Like let's say sometimes I read the job description and like 60% of it is talking about perks. And then you're like, do you have anything else to offer? Is this job fun at all without perks? perks Is because the culture is not really good. Yeah, and then also we know how perks work. They always look better on paper Mm -hmm. than they really are. yes. Yeah. You you can also... Sorry, Tom. I think for me the the one thing which stood out actually with a lot of these things was some some name some wording. Like I, I think I was always starting to start to look at like multiple positions. So I don't look at just my position when they're hiring. I actually look at two or three positions, either a management which I have to work with or a junior developer to just get a feel. And I think one of the things which always ticks me off as in this is not a place I want to work, is when it says for the manager position, it's like you have to grow the individual person. And this is one of those things which really turns me off. Like, if you have to grow the individual person within your team, I think you're doing it wrong. No, you want to grow the team. You want to have a proper workflow within your team. You want to have your team to work together. You don't want to grow a single person within that team because then you're trying to create this superhero culture, which was I mean, one of the things I where mean, it, it, it doesn't me really off. mean just one specific person, right? It could yeah. mean uh, that you need to grow all of them individually. But yeah, you see that already have... in the difference in, in the difference in, in sentences, you can see the difference already. Like if you read through some of these, you can actually see the difference in like when it's every single time about about the individual, within the entire management perspective, they're only talking about individuals, growing individuals in your in the in your team, educating the people in your team. Uh no, that's actually not what they're saying. Growing a growing a person within your team. Like it was every single time the entire job description went about this individual within that team. Not about the team you're supposed to manage, not about how you're supposed to help them work all together, not any of those kind of concepts. Like that is already a cultural turn off for me, even though I suck working at team in teams, which all of three of you can vouch for. Um, it is Imagine there would be a dedicated person trying to grow you. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's grown Poor enough. Poor person. <laughs> well. <laughs> um, I don't know, I... Yeah, maybe in that job position that you're that you're describing, uh, maybe the wording was was something that was very evidently saying, "Hey, there is an individual culture here instead of a team culture," which is fair. I I can't judge. I haven't seen it. Um, but again, I think what what Max was was going to try to say is that, well, if you just look for the manager position, like saying, "Hey, you should grow an individual," that's not entirely wrong. You you have to grow that individual because they have different ambitions. Like I have different ambition than you have, and I want to be mentored by a totally different way than someone would mentor you, right? Because we we have different ambitions, um, and that's totally fair. Like as a manager, you have to be aware of that, and you have to be able to mentor them individually, but make them work together. That is the important thing. Um, the team has to work all together towards the same goal, and that's how how a manager should should behave. Thank you, uh, and that's what I mean. Like. The team has to work together to a single goal. That's what I, when I read a manager position, that's what I expect to at least be in there. Right. Yeah. 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 Sure. If if we're lucky enough to see this in a in a job description saying that kind of detail, that is already a good sign, right? Like you know that the company is worrying about that. Yeah, for sure. That normally doesn't show off until you actually go into the meetings and 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 in the interview process and then get to that phase where you meet the team. 
and then you meet the managers and the rest of the team and then you get the sense of how things will go um but again this depends very much on the company and this and also like which kind of um hiring process you're going to go through some hiring process you don't even meet the team at all right so you just meet the team when you join the job and that's it so good luck Yep. Um, that's what where, where I currently still work where it's the case where I get the average question when I'm doing a tech interview so do you know right. which team I'm like no I can try and point you to a direction where I think you fit but that's the best I can do and most of the time even if I try to point them they actually end up somewhere totally different so it doesn't yeah. help any anyway yeah exactly so look, looking at that it's very hard to say just by the job description if if you're going to land in a very nice team without going through the process unless you're already very experienced in screening job descriptions um anyways um kieran you're you were about to say something before um regarding i think it was regarding the job description itself and i cut you off yeah no worries um i was uh gonna kind of try and bring it back to what else can be in a job description so Um. we're you know we're at the moment we're talking about okay what trying to identify what the culture is from there other things that go into a job description are things like perks and sometimes those are important um things like salary in there that tends to be that tends to really vary depending on the country that the company is from there are sometimes certain rules about putting salary in or not putting salary in job descriptions in various different countries yeah most of the time you can assume that it wouldn't be there I think I would, yeah. I, I would honestly would, say I as think... soon as I see a salary, then it's most of the time like we have a salary range between X and Y. Uh, yeah, it's if bandwidth. Y, if the upper limit is less than I earn currently, the company is pretty much out. So <laughs> it's actually uh, yeah, it's but kind of that, that's that's yeah. fine, right? Yeah. That's what they put it there for. So people who are not interested would not be setting expectations, wa- wasting anyone's time, wasting yeah. anyone's time, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other, the other thing that uh, you quite often see is particularly for uh, particularly for engineers, um, but also also for other roles, product owners, agile, whatever. Uh, there tends to be some kind of expectations of you. Uh, so that might be you know you have like thirty years experience in <laughs> in Go, preferably yeah, in Go, <laughs> in Rust, in Haskell. Yeah, uh, in the freshest possible technology. Yeah. 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 Um, which of course we can all laugh at, but you know, there's, there's other thing I'm read, I've got a couple of them open in random tabs here and there's some stuff here that says, uh, I for code quality, uh, experience writing unit and integration tests, blah, 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 blah. Um, what, is there anything in there that would be again, particularly enticing or, or a turnoff? I mean, I know if I saw, if I saw the one that, okay, joking about 30 years of experience in Rust or whatever, but like, if I oh, saw I've one, oh no, of course, but. And that's like, a definitely a turnoff. At, at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm out. I think that's more than a turnoff. I think that's, yeah, that's like red flag stop right now. Yeah. But, um, you know, if, if something says, oh, yeah, we want you to have like three to five years of experience in Haskell, then I'm going to be like, well, you know, probably not for me. Depends I mean, if I want to grow into Haskell, then it might be an option. Well, I don't. And that's, that's yeah, also, my point. Yeah. It's like looking yeah. at just this section alone, this doesn't really give you the full picture. You also want to know what is this that they think you're going to be doing there? Like what all yeah, these this requirements are for? Be- because when they just ask, oh, like, oh yeah, we need five years of this. And then you are supposed to be doing something that is like very remotely related to that. 
if you see that you will be doing something intense though, then yeah, yeah. like years of experience. Still, I can say that measuring measuring experience in years is just the easiest one. Mm. Doesn't really tell you anything, but it's just like the the quickest number you can come up with, like, oh, this many years. Uh, but yeah, I usually look at these sections together. Like, what is this that I'm supposed to be doing? And well, I think you've yeah. touched on, on something very important there because I think one of those things which is exactly this, like the job description. Like, and as we know, within bigger companies, you get this generic job description. And sadly enough, when you're looking for startups and you're looking for jobs there or for specific departments within certain bigger companies, they keep that generic description. And you're sitting there and you're like, I have no clue what this job entails. Like, none, zero. And Actually, whereas th- that, that's a good have, point hmm? about startups. Like, one has to know whether they are looking for a job in a startup or not, or whether this particular company job description of what they are looking at is a startup. Because when it's a startup, you can not really ignore some chunks of the job description, but you can safely assume that, oh, either they are asking too much or they still don't really know what they're talking about. Obviously, I guess not every startup is the same, but with very young companies, you can really expect that most of it will change during the interview. You will uncover so much that is very different from that job description, especially if it's like a team of five people and just your fellow engineer wrote one for the second time in their life. Yeah, again, that's true. Also, you know, if you're going for that type of small startup that you'll probably have to do everything in any case. So you will have to have to have a slightly, you cannot, that's, that's actually not true. You could be very specialized in, but it needs to fit the field, which that startup has, or you have to be broad enough to adjust to all the different situations. Definitely in, for example, like Maxim, where you're, you're sysadmin or ops or DevOps or whatever they're calling you these days. In a startup, you have to be able to do everything, pretty much, from IT support help desk up to setting up the Kubernetes cluster. Yeah, but but we're lucky; startups don't hire sysadmins, so that's that's easy. <laughs> a good startup would. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, okay, so um, I think uh, you know a lot. Uh, a lot of startups are gonna have the same problems. Like, for example, okay, we need to we need to set up our infrastructure or we, you know, you have so many different hats to wear. Um, part of that is going to be, yeah, like understanding the size of the company that you're applying to. And I think that that's a really good filter as well, kind of understanding the, the uh, understanding what size of company you want to work in and, and how that's going to help you grow and build up your own kind of professional knowledge. Um, I've worked in both very large and very tiny companies i've worked in a company of literally two people and i've worked in a fortune 500 like big chungus uh and it's a very different experience and there's definitely like pros and cons to both so i think understanding that is also a good uh kind of metric for for who you pick yeah is there anything else that you would look at um probably warner in particular because you're the one who's been doing the job hunting recently is there anything else that you looked at other than kind of the company's own website and the job description before you decided, okay, I'm going to like reach out to them. 
Um, so generally just enter them on Google it always helps. Um, you have a couple of those websites which actually show for, because I'm a developer, like I'm, I care about the tech stack a bit. Like I'm not heavily into it, um, but, but I do care about it. So you have different sites which actually describe it. Italo has a very good one for his company. You can promote it now, Italo. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was it yes. again? The yeah, stack, no, uh, stack share thing, right? Stack share. Yeah. 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 So Italo was actually, Italo's company actually had a very good stack share. And that was actually for a couple of companies that was definitely once I got went, went there and you saw the way that they were describing some of the things that already turned me off because I actually, when, after I put the, the, the text through Google Translate, I kind of, kind of could make sense out of it. But before that, I couldn't, um, which is also one of those cases when you're looking for a job in a foreign country, it's very important to know if that company what primary language they speak or do you have enough of the countries or the company's local um, knowledge like for example i know certain companies are heavily even in berlin are primarily i would say brazilian these days um if you enter there and you expect proper english then it's going to be a bit tougher so every now and then um i wouldn't expect proper english in england to be honest like the, the nobody speaks english no, but you have a difference though between different cultures, and that's also important. Like if you definitely win in smaller companies, like again, like once you go towards bigger, the question is where do you want to work? Like I'm, I don't feel like I'm a person who's ready for a huge company yet. Definitely since I'm leaving a big one now, um, and it's just because my personality. I like to have half of the domain in my knowledge in my in my head. I want to be able to follow what's going on through different parts of the organization and things like that. That's my own quirk um knowing that from yourself also makes selection a lot easier like if you say like okay i want like first of all don't think what you want to do in five years um think about yourself look at your reflect onto yourself look at what do you want to do i think it's really important like i could say okay in five years i want to be a cto but nobody would make me a cto because i'm just not the fit for it i will never be a fit but if that truly was an aspiration, then you would probably be have the steps that you, in mind that you would want to work to, to to get towards that. Well, seven years ago, I would have. These days, I I know that I'm, it's not my fit. Yeah, which is kind of like me and the Haskell thing. Like, if I really wanted to have Haskell experience for a company, I mean, I would if it said, um, you know, you need three years of experience with Haskell, and I spent like a summer just like intensively learning Haskell, I would probably give it a go anyway. And hopefully I can prove that as part of the process. But uh, yeah, like I know that that's not something that I want to do. So that would be a turnoff for me. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, also there is this thing, I don't know exactly how to describe, let's call it enterpriseiness of the company. Not necessarily because how big it is, mostly talking about like something big, let's say like big old players, they usually work in a very different way than like software development departments in them. Let's say, I don't know, what is this that is big and everyone knows about? I don't know, Coca-Cola, for example, or Procter & Gamble or something like that. Or even here in Germany, let's say Deutsche Bahn, like you should like just be prepared if you want to work for this particular company, for whatever reason, be prepared that it's all going to be done in a very, very old way, waterfall, and yeah. all this kind of other words. You know, 
like what I like. It, it might not be true what I'm going to say, but what I noticed and uh, what I like to to also ask a few people when when they join companies, if the job description refers in in the job description there is any reference to IT like literally the word IT that, that probably means the company itself is not mature enough to understand IT you're going to see like the department itself is going to be seen as a cost company instead of like a cost center sorry instead of like part of the company and i've went through this multiple times mm-hmm. um it's a small word that makes a very big difference and if you start noticing a lot of people start you know more mature companies in in terms of product development they're going to call the department like either tech or engineering or or whatever other word these days um but it's interesting because i wasn't only the one that made the same reflection in twitter if you search for this same kind of statement that i just made you're going to see the same people like all over the place saying oh a lot of people are using it from the old days right and and most of the times these job positions are going to be seen with a different perspective than when you go to a tech company or to a company that has a tech department and people see it in a different way where you're more collaborative you're going to be part of the product you can contribute more so that is a very interesting re- realization i had these days thank you you just described what i wasn't capable of describing that's exactly what i'm talking about like when you see this it thing <clears throat> yeah first it most definitely means that engineering is not the main thing of this company or if it is engineering yeah. then it's not software engineering it's i don't know some kind of production line producing something or doing something that is even like that is so remote from software engineering and yeah. it is a supporting role there like exactly and quite and, often uh, the job the is going to be about i don't know fixing printers and making sure that huge campus networks work reliably and stuff like that yeah well to put exactly. to put it like like italo said compensation doesn't matter like if if they pay me 400 creative fix printers i'm fine with it <laughs> uh i don't know have you think, been fixing printers see... for a long while <laughs> <laughs> i think that i, I it, have worked jo- with those giant printing presses they're actually kind of fun to repair it's job security right no printers ever work <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's also true yeah but I don't know. I, th- I think a lot of that kind of speaks towards the attitude of the company towards the tech department as well. Then yeah. it's it's less about like you're going to be the printer fixer. You could well be doing like you know super cool cutting edge like development. I don't know whatever. Yeah. Whatever the top of and, and you might be the today. only one. But well, no, you could. There could be a full department of it. But the point being that the company culture from the C level down doesn't see you as doing yeah. that. They see you as the printer fixer, regardless of what you're actually doing. Yeah. But but then it, it's not to say anything bad about these companies. It just you should be aware of that. Like that's the I think it's I think it's in, less uh, and less common these days, to be honest. But um, it's again, not to... not among the big ones. There no, still... I mean it's it's you you need you need to know what you're getting yourself into when when yeah. you're going for a large and company. Also, but yeah, it is becoming which, less common. Which kind of part of yeah. the company you're going to be joining exactly? Because even these big ones that I just they usually said some into, unpleasant yeah. things about they they are creating as you all said tiny I think this is also... tiny departments within them that actually do all this like super cool stuff. Let's call it this yeah. way. But this also comes down to the job description. Like if you have a job description which is specific enough to tell you what you're going to do. It already 
in certain cases can be a massive turn on for people because they know that they're going to work on something they actually want to work on. Like if I have a job description, let's say, which says you have to work on the distributed salesman problem uh, within the planning uh, mapping department or something of Deutsche Bahn or, or of DHL, that's a totally different thing than if they're going to say, okay, you're going to have to work on the customer facing website for track and trace. Mm. Like, oh yeah. No, kind of those... Massive different yeah. Like, and if yeah. you, if they all put that into one job ad, where it's like looking for a senior software engineer and you have this generic intro, this generic thing regarding the job. 10 we years of experience as software engineer. Yeah. <laughs> and, and at that point you're sitting there and you're like, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. Then you have to make a choice for yourself, which is really, do I want to work for this company? As in, what's this public profile? Does that fit with me? Yeah. Um, and, and if not, then not. But that's kind of the, the problem with I, which, I, which I often see is that these guys spend, these guys have hundreds of recruiters literally working for them. And they cannot, they, they just don't take the effort to get a fine-grained uh, job ad in there or probably because all tune. hundreds of recruiters have written the same job ad at the same time and it's gone through so many iterations of so many different people that it's just a mess from and it's nothing like what it began as yeah honestly. sometimes yeah. it also tells you that recruitment department is again treated the same way i proverbial IT department center, yeah. is treated it's just like yeah we need to get people and these people are like wasting our money we to need get even more yeah. people in exactly we need hard we need re- no 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 Resources. We need resources. Resources. Oh, yeah. I hate that word. And it's definitely not a priority. So basically that's what what they do. Yeah, so or it is a priority, but we just do whatever it takes. Yeah. In, instead I mean, of actually doing the right thing, we, we're mm-hmm. doing yeah. more of the thing, like quantity rather than quality. Yeah. Quality. Yeah. Also, to add to what Werner said, in general, I think clear and concise job description is a big turn on, at least for me, for sure. Even if yeah. I... Same here. Not that, like, if I dislike the company, then, yeah, obviously that's not going to outweigh that. But if I even know nothing about the company, I would start digging much deeper if the job description is yeah. something you know, that grabs you know your like, on. Yeah. I like to, when I when I see the job descriptions, I like to see when the job description is for a specific team or group, whatever they call it these days. Um because I know exactly which kind of team I'm going into. That really helps. Um, I I remember that we used to go through this. Many companies do this. Like they have this generic post. Hey, I need a senior engineer. You have no idea where you're going to land, right? You, well, you and to are... be honest, a lot of the time as the hiring manager in that company, you have no idea if the person you're interviewing is coming to you or going to go to another team until you get yeah. the call from HR one morning saying, hey, your new hire is here. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that is, that and, is... and then you're like, which one? <laughs> yeah, you have like 10 of I've them. interviewed like, a dozen. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, no, my favorite one is we had some, some, some Java people in our pipeline a while back. And to my, like, I was doing the tech interviews with these guys, and my last time I wrote Java is years ago, ten plus, I would say. So my Java knowledge is zero. Um, no, no, it's ten plus years of experience. Come on, Warner. <laughs> okay, sorry, it's ten plus years of experience of not doing Java. Counting. Uh, exactly. Uh, but in any case, like I, I knew we had two departments in the organization which actually we need Java and Kotlin developers. So I was like, okay, we're definitely hiring these guys for that. I find out three months later that we were hiring these guys for go for go 
spots within the organization. And I'm sitting there like, how did nobody ever tell me this? Like I was hiring these guy based on on some of the Java, some of the specific Java things as well that they were that I actually did some research on for the hiring process to figure out like, okay, do they know something about Java? Yes or no? And mm. then you get this and you're sitting there like, yeah. oh yeah, great. Well, I think like looking at the point of, um, and we should move on from the from the job description in a sec. But like looking at the point of the job description, it's the first part of your funnel, right? So for the for the company, the idea is you want to weed out as many time wasters as possible, whether they're deliberate time wasters or whether they're just not matching the experience, and therefore you need to be as clear with you know what you're expecting from the candidates as possible. Or, you know, whether they're people who would just not be interested in the kind of thing that you're doing. So your idea is to put as much information out there as possible, as Maxime put it, so that you get like quality over quantity in terms of your candidates. And if the job description does not reflect that they're that they're expecting a certain level of quality and that they really just want to hire, you know, bloody anyone in the world, then that's probably a bad sign. Uh, if it's just about them putting putting bums on seats. But, uh, I mean, I guess we can start to work our way through the, the rest of the funnel. So typically, I mean, this really varies. I think, um, you guys tell me, would I be right in saying that the typical kind of hiring flow looks something like your CV gets screened, you have an interview with HR just to make sure that you're, I, I don't, I don't know why you have an interview with HR to be honest, but that's a whole different oh, I can actually, oh, just to save easy. everyone else's time and to... Yeah, you know. I haven't. I have another theory about that, but we'll, we'll come back to that. You All do right. uh, usually you do some kind of a technical test or something to, you know, to prove that you can put your money where your mouth is. Maybe One some, more. yeah, maybe some kind of technical interview to go with the test as well, so that you can prove that you can talk the talk as well as walk the walk, uh, and then. Uh, usually, some do kind you remember of... what you read on Stack Overflow when you were <laughs> while you were doing the test? <laughs> Why should you not use regex to pass HTML? He comes. Oh God! Comes. <laughs> uh, uh, and then you, usually there's a final round, which is normally with someone higher up the the hierarchy to talk about like cultural fit and then they can kind of make an offer and and talk about the money as well a little bit more than the other people in the train could i know that's not everywhere but would you guys agree that that is kind of typical yeah i would say so yeah yeah i guess so uh i mean that's the first thing right you kind of want that mate like up front if you've um gone through that it's nice to know what the process is at the beginning because if oh, it's yeah. like a 23 step process and you have to do like 19 technical tests then you know maybe you don't have time for this and maybe uh maybe that that proves that the expectations of your time that your time is not going to be respected as part of the job so knowing the process is quite important depends but, uh, do they offer me some money for it i'm perfectly fine with doing 19 interviews if they give me money for every interview yeah probably not let's be honest <laughs> Yeah, most likely not. <laughs> like, I've actually seen a couple of places where they, uh, I think it was in the States, actually, where they were trying this out, where they actually yeah, had these I was part long of the interviews. Where, where they pay me for the, for the time. Yeah. And they actually, after, I think, after the second interview or something, they actually paid you for the time because they said, yeah. okay, we know it's a long process, uh, but at this point, we already know that we're interested or that we have some interest in you, and based on that, they would actually pay you. Yeah. So... What was their justification for it being such a long process? 
that I mean, my case, I was at least aware of it. Um, I was being interviewed for for a engineer manager position, and you know that the company was big enough to justify that kind of process. They really want to find the right fit, mm-hmm. and I had to travel there as well. So you know, they, they not only pay for the travel itself and and the time that I'm going to be there, but also going through. You know, I, I had to take a day off at work, so they compensate me for that day. Anyways, there's a there's a lot of uh, things that they they do. So was um, part of that because you were going for a managerial position, and it wasn't that you were going in as a foot soldier, essentially. Hard to say. I don't know because I've never applied for the the other roles. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think they're not hiring massively as well. You know, like lots of people at the same time they have really like target hiring they know exactly the profile they're looking for instead of filling a bunch of of tasks so i think when you have that kind of mindset and when you have that kind of um, you know target finding the right people you either can spend money to actually have them there if they are worth it um or 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 you do like something else right but um the, their justification was that they're hiring someone, they're looking for someone that they really want in that position to do that kind of thing. Um, and that, that was a great company. Um, so that, that was an interesting process that I went through. But I knew what I'm, I was going into, right? Like from the first call, um, when, I ta- when I was talking to a technical recruiter, so that is also a very different thing from HR. Mm-hmm. Um, I was discussing with the technical recruiter of that specific group. So that I was applying for. And um, they, in the first interview, already laid out how it's going to look like, right? So you're going to go for, through this. We're going to have a, a remote interview first, and then we're going to fly you in here. And then you go going to go through all of this. It was massive, like eight hours of interviews throughout the day. It was a lot. Um, and then the next day, you can you can enjoy the city and get to know the city. And then you fly back to your, to your home city. Um, and I was fine with that. So I knew exactly where I was going into. But um, once again, this is the company very much going for quality over quantity. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, because you can't afford to, no matter how big of a company you are, it's just a waste of money if you're trying to get a large amount yes. of candidates to do that with everybody. Yeah. If you do a massive hiring, that doesn't work. It's mm-hmm. not sustainable. Again, the question is, again, but the, this is so far above my, my where I care, things I care about is why do you want to do this massive hiring? Like, Honestly, I've seen I've seen definitely within development, I've seen people small teams actually do more work than than big teams yeah. because they actually have to write simple code, they have to write maintainable code. They can literally not write a monster because they're they just not enough people. It. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that is also the question. Like, what again? This comes maybe down to the to the to the company culture as well. Like, is yeah. it is is what is more important to you? Is it this massive hiring? Is this this exponential growth uh like which i've experienced now as well like honestly i hate this sorry i hate this headless hiring hiring Mm. for the sake of hiring kind of yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. maybe it's something investors like but i hate it no yeah it has i mean there is i mean some companies hire like this and they have their justifications to do so um i'm not challenging that at all um, but I also don't like it. It's not my kind of thing. I don't like to hire completely like, Hey, give me this bunch of people here. Let's allocate them when they come. And if they like it, they like it. If they don't, they leave it. 
Yeah, um, that's the usual let's get resources thing, right? Yeah, exactly. That's the attitude usually. Like, yeah, just give me people, I'll find job for them. Yeah. And it's like, uh, that's not how recruitment works in software development these days. And I guess not only in software development. But, you know, like, it's it's interesting because many big companies are still doing this because it values their company. If you have more engineers inside your headcount, your company value goes up automatically. Yep. Becomes is, a much easier conversation with investors. Yeah, a lot. So many companies are like, they tell their CTOs, hey, I don't care what you're going to do, hire people, figure it out. And then your yeah. CTO has to I mean, reach that capacity. Th that's what you kind of want to determine, right? When you talk to the company, like even if they're hiring, it's not necessarily a bad thing. If they hire yeah, right crazy, they can still do it sustainably. Yeah, but why, sustainably are, why like are you hiring for this way. position? What is it that you're trying exactly. to achieve by getting more people? Yeah, it, it depends, right? Like, Yeah, it may also be like that there are some other very bad reasons, right? For instance, oh, we have this like PHP monolith and we need like Nobody 500 no, people no, no, I, to support I love that. It. Like, seriously, like I was... Yeah, but you're the, you're the, you're the odd one out here. No, 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 that, yeah. that, that was, <laughs> that was probably... I think you're the that proves the rule. <laughs> Warner, yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. That's not exactly what I... It doesn't have to be PHP. What I meant is just like, it's some, some very, very inefficient task that we just hire more people to do instead of making it more Fixing efficient. Fixing it properly. Yeah, but, exactly. But that's the problem. Like, I love these companies which actually say we have a monolith and we want to care for that monolith. That's perfect. You want to care for it. Oh, that's yeah. yeah. If, if yeah. You, yeah. you want to improve it, you want to refactor it, you want to add tests. And the thing is, I the, the companies which I hate are very, they look Almost exactly the same, but they're saying we have a monolith and we need a lot of developers on it, which means you're firefighting. Yeah, which means yeah, they, that, need, they need them to run the monolith, not to care exactly. for it. And, yeah. and that means that at that point, there is a problem within that organization because you actually need to invest in keeping your monolith up and run. Yeah. But now yeah. I'm going to digress very heavily if I start this topic. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, I think we'll it's note that down on the topic list for another time. But, but I actually like this recruiter call because I think the first interaction with those recruiters is actually also one of those big things, which which Italo actually just mentioned as well. Like he said, like, I was talking to a technical recruiter. This makes a big difference. Like I've worked with within the hiring pipeline as well. And the first thing I try to do is the people I work with, as in the HR people or the recruiters I work with, is to make sure they know what I'm looking for. So I actually write scorecards regarding candidates and I write down what the candidate missed. I write down links to that, to that information about that for the technical recruiters. Um, the other way around, I also tell them what they actually did well. And I also prefer to give some links for the technical recruiters there uh, because first of all, they can feed that back to the candidate uh, if it's a success or a fail, but they can also learn from it themselves, which means that their screening process for candidates actually becomes better. Mm -hmm. So I get less less interviews, which means I have to be, I can code more, which I like doing more. I can work on the architecture or the design of the different systems or be in useless meetings with 40 people. Yeah. You're really selling it. But that... <laughs> <laughs> okay. But that then, is... Yeah, go ahead, Kier. So, um, you know, you're, you're in that situation as a candidate. Then how do you... Uh, what, what can you do to stand out against the 30 other candidates that they've got? Yeah, that, that was the point that I was going to talk but about. You haven't even gotten there, dude. You first have to get your CV in. You want to go through yeah. CV? We can go through CVs for a bit first if you want. 
Yeah, like honestly, you have to. Like, if I look at you, you went through you went through a ten minute rant earlier on about how you don't need a CV, so I was going to skip that part. But like, if you want to talk about them now, we can. No, I I want to talk about CVs because it's 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 important. (laughs) How to burn a CV? Some people don't like it, but hey, honestly, now but you have different types of CVs. A CV is not per se that piece of paper. It is not per se your GitHub account. It can literally be your network. Like, honestly, like I have a couple of people who are in positions at companies. I give them one scream, and sadly enough, they're all in other countries as well. Uh, some of them, at least. And I tell them like I'm looking for a job, and it's like literally like don't worry about it. You don't. You don't even have to. Say, I don't even have to send a CV. They just know because they've worked with me before, because they looked at my open source stuff, because they've had conversation with other people that worked with me. Uh, what my quality is. So that kind of is gets out of that aspect, and you actually do get into that next phase already based on that. I sure, would but not, say, ev- not everyone's in that position yeah no, and exactly. also but that Warner. is one one type of cv yeah i would, I would, I would is say let, let's, one, which is getting this paper piece into the hr or, or recruiter's hands and they need to decide first to to let you through so i would say having your network and having such an amazing network that will kind of invite you to the interview without having a cv from you you cannot call that a cv it it's is. it's it's your network that is amazing, yes, but it's not a CV. It's a network that doesn't require a CV, mm. but it's not a replacement for one. Mm, not sure. Come on, CV, sure is, CV is a CV. It doesn't have to be on paper. It can be your LinkedIn profile, GitHub, whatever. But yeah. people going around and talking about you because they know you, it's not really a CV. I think a CV is, what you know, when I look at a CV... It's because I'm hiring somebody and, and I'm going through them. What I'm looking for is, okay, does this person know the kind of stuff that we would expect them to know for the kind of position that we're hiring them for and the kind of salary that we would be giving them? Uh, and also, you know, are they are they the kind of person who would fit in the company? If it's if it's uh, going on there and they're saying, oh yeah, I've got you know, if if I'm hiring for like a scrappy little startup and they're all saying, oh, I've got experience with, uh, I can't remember your examples before Max, but you know, like uh, what was it Procter and Gamble or you know SAP yeah, something something could be one of those. Then okay, maybe that doesn't fit so much, even if they've got. It. And so you know, I can go look through their previous experience and say, okay, like you know, you're probably expecting. This is this wouldn't necessarily mean I wouldn't interview them, but it would suggest to me that they're expecting maybe more of a strict regime than they're going to get at a scrappy little startup. Or at least I think you would take a note and like raise this question with them during the if you decide to interview them, like yeah. you would definitely let them know that hey, this is how we work here, and you might have used to you know right, and then at that point style. they could be you know they could be matched with Reed Hastings on LinkedIn. And that looks like, oh, wow, you've got an impressive network. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a fit. And I can tell that by looking at the experience that you have and the kind of wording that you've got in your CV and, and the phrasing that's on there. So, But I, th- I think um, to, to even take that back a step further, step one, when sending in your CV, put some design thought into it. Don't have typos and, and, and spelling mistakes and things on yeah. there. English is not everyone's native language, but English is usually the language of, of, well, it's been the language of all the CVs I've screened because 
I wouldn't be good as great as he be. Because <laughs> that's your native language. Grammar and spelling checkers are good enough these days. <laughs> they really are. Yeah, yeah but um, I've screened enough of them that don't have, that where the candidate clearly hasn't used that. Additionally, you know, there's a lot of, like, templates out there and things that look really nice. And Yeah, um, the, the cheapest one from Google Doc that is for free would work most of the time. But, yeah. you know, like, this, this rules, this in, like, some rules are implicit, but they have to be explicitly said. Um, I like this, like, you know, don't make any grammar mistakes or, or anything, any kind of typos and so on. Um, and also, you know, keep it short. Two pages mm -hmm. is, is normally good enough. Uh, so some people have more experience. Awesome. Great. Um, but try to keep it into two pages. because Even if you have a ton of experience, it doesn't have all to exactly. go there, right? You can talk about it in the interview <laughs> later well, on. But the write design... a book. <laughs> Get on with <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the design helps with that as well, right? It like does. My, yeah. my, um, I mean, I've, well, one, my CV, if I put all my uh, jobs that I've had on there, would go over two pages. So I just cut out the least relevant ones. Like the jobs that I did when I was, you know, 20 years old, it doesn't matter anymore. Right? Yeah, I only put, let me put it differently. I would cut out, you don't need to put, put in there if you're applying as a manager or a developer or a QA or whatever. You don't have to put in there that you were a paper boy when you were six, 16. Yeah, exactly. Like you put yeah. job relative experience in there. Like, yeah, uh, it's context relative to where you're applying to. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So like you, you know, nobody's looking for an extensive thing. Again, the, yeah. the company is looking to see what relevant experience you have to the role that you're applying to. So if the experience is not relevant, it doesn't matter. No one's going to think, oh, what was this guy doing between 2004 and 2009? It doesn't matter. Just just take it out. It doesn't. Well, I mean, somebody might ask. They might ask, ask but then you can say, okay, but that experience wasn't relevant, so I took it off my CV, and the, I yeah. think that's a fair enough answer. The other thing is, you know, from a, a, an aesthetic point of view, um, my CV that has not been updated in five years or so, but again, one of the one of the little tricks that I used was to make it two columns because you can fit a lot more the, when you're writing long lines of text that go across the whole page there's a lot of wasted space on the right of the page boy that's awful i'm sorry two columns no. seriously I, I i hate those that's actually yeah i hate like, reading when i'm these. reviewing them i hate it yeah i exactly. normally go like if i may say like how do i structure my cv like i, I normally I don't, I don't i used to use two columns and then i stopped uh, after a while because I tried to restructure my CV in a little different way. And I got much better after I read a book called um, The How Tech to Stop Resume Using Chalk Inside Out. Design? No. Sorry? No. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's The Tech Resume Inside Out from, um, I don't know how to pronounce his name properly, but it's from Gergely Orost. Uh, it's the same guy who writes the Pragmatic Engineer blog. And... It's an oh, impressive God. book. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce that. Yeah, me, me neither. Um, <laughs> he's an amazing, he's an amazing uh, person um, in terms of like how to help you, how to structure your your CV. And you know, I read that book and then I went through his tips here and there, and it really helps out you. You know, kind of figuring out how to structure a CV in a in a sensible way. Because imagine if I'm applying to a product company, what I want them to see the most like the most relevant information in my CV is my previous experience, right? And I really have to state out clearly, in, in my case, like as a developer, I delivered this project 
And this contributed to X amount of revenue in this company because I understand business as well. And so I promote myself a little bit into that, um, that kind of description. But if I'm applying to a academic role, they don't give a, I mean, they don't care about our, uh, my, my, uh, you know, professional life in, 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 in companies, in product companies, they care about my academic role. So I have to put that above everything else, right? Cause that's the thing that will stand out the most. Um, so again, it's contextual to where you're going to apply to and, um, in our case here, and most of people probably listening as well, you are probably either working for a product company or you want to work for, for some, something like that in the, in the tech industry. Um, so normally putting your experience first is very relevant. And then you can come down to projects, education, if you, if you have one, um, um, and then you go into whatever technologies or tech stacks you have, 20 whatever. certificates you got. A oh, certificate is something that we can discuss and it's very debatable, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, hence 20. <laughs> it depends, right? In India is a big thing, right? Like if you're trying to apply for a job in India, certifications for whatever reason, culture reasons they have, it's extremely important. There are and also some really companies that job. value these. Exactly. Because you normally don't get a job if you don't have one. Right. Uh, and I think that's their thing over there. And that's totally fair. It's how their country works and how their company works. Um, but in Europe or the US or uh, even in South America, that's not how it goes normally. So you have to just really display your, um, you know, your, your professional experience. And a lot of people get lost in how to put out their professional experience. And that's what I like about this book. It's because... Um, you know, he explains very clearly here what you should not write in your professional experience, like how you should not do things because it looks bad and the tech recruiter will go through it and will say, yeah, that's not, that's not good enough or there's nothing relevant in here. Um, so I move along and I really like that book because of that. So if I can recommend one thing in today's episode is go buy that book if you can, that's $20. If you are out of a job, and I'm, I'm not being paid for this promotion, he can give you this book for free. If you're out of a job and looking for a job, there is a section where you can ask this book for free and he's going to give you. I'm not being paid for that. And uh, But it's an amazing book. It's definitely good. And even if you are today not looking for a job, but you want to improve your CV, go after the book. It's cool. It's a $20 book. Definitely uh, worth it. Um, so I bought the book. I read it through everything. And then I redone my CV, right? Just to see, just to see how companies would perceive it differently. I got standout in like in a much, much clearer way. And people were coming back to me asking very specific questions. Oh, so you you actually turned this amount of revenue from the product work you've done. Can you explain a little bit further on this? And then we have a much nicer conversation during the interview because they are asking specific questions about the work that I've done that changed the company's, um, whatever, the company's culture, the company's revenue, the company's, um, anyways, any, any KPI you want to, you want to track. Um, so yeah, that is, that is something that is very, very important when you're structuring our CVs and it comes with a lot of templates as well. Well, columns, I, I, column. I just bought it. So there you go. Go, gurgly or else you just, I, I can't don't know pronounce, how to your, pronounce, I can't his pronounce name, but... your name, but here's $20. Yep. <laughs> 
So it's it's definitely a good a good uh, a good thing. It's a it's a good book. I totally recommend. Cool. Um, so I mean, let's try and move on past CV then. So I mean, oh, can I say one 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 thing which I actually want to know from you guys because I really okay. am like I love these CVs where, and it's actually for me it's often mm. a red flag where I see these I know, guys. I know exactly where you're going. I'm not sure if you are, but let's see. Um, I see these guys and they have the CV with 30 jobs on there and every single <laughs> one is less than six months. Ah, yeah, that is beautiful. And, and and it's honestly like I've seen those things and I'm often actually like I've, I've had a few times where I'm just going into that interview and I'm already like, I can just toss this in the bin and, and like tell them, no, say already no, because the tech interview actually ends up being crap because yeah. either it's an... It, Either he's very good, but is just not sure what he wants and, and just keeps job hunting. Uh, or it's one of those cases where you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, I know why it's only six months because you were just kicked out every single one, a single time. I think that I think that's really just setting a precedent, right? Like if you've not been able to stay in a job for whatever reason, whether it's your own fault or because you are... Um, what's the word like you always just you're one of those people who always wants to keep moving you're you're kind of restless you always want to try like different things either way if they haven't stayed in a job for six months in the past three years previously what makes your company different yeah so yeah i think i completely agree that that is uh that is something i mean and sometimes it's difficult sometimes you have to stay in a job that sometimes it becomes a compelling reason to stay in a job that is not a good job and that you're not enjoying but you're like well i better stay here for a little longer because it's going to look bad on my cv and i know a lot of people who've had that dilemma but it's it's a perfectly valid dilemma i think it's also a very good one like again like if you, it's fine if you have a stint in there which is half a year even if you have two or three stints in there which are half a year over a longer period of time uh, that's that's not bad. Like it just means you're a bit pickier about your job, maybe, uh, or it wasn't just wasn't a good fit, and you were smart enough to leave to go away. Uh, like people will ask about that, but it, like is it again, like those three years with six or eight jobs? Yeah, if you're like a repeat yeah. offender, then something is definitely wrong. On the I'll, other I'll... hand, I I do have a friend who um I should check in with because COVID means that I don't see people ever anymore. But uh, I do have a friend who has, um, as far as I know, she is in that situation where she's had to change job every six months or something. This is because the company that she's in keeps going under because she keeps going for startups and they keep failing. I don't think it's her fault. It, it might be, but <laughs> I don't think <laughs> Unless it is. she's so like she's... a CEO in each and every. <laughs> she's, yeah. like a, she's like a voodoo doll for crashing startups. <laughs> Yeah, no, but I think I, it's perfectly fine to, I mean, it, her case is definitely special, but if it's just one time thing, and as we know, probation period as the interview also for both sides, right? So if you, after this time, you figured out that you're still done like the company, then what's the point of staying? And if it's your first time, like if all the other jobs prior are like, you've stayed longer than six months, then I think it's totally safe for your CV to leave and find another job. Yeah, I think if, if you, you find again, your, if, a, again a bust startup thing, like you can put it even in your CV. Like that is yeah, perfectly yeah. fine to put in there. Sure. Oh, actually, yeah, that. I've like, seen people saying this. They just said that hey, it, 
just went under. Yeah. I mean, not yeah. in this like That's, that's maybe, perfectly but, yeah. valid. Like, I, th I, I actually prefer that because then I don't have to ask about it. Um, yeah. But, like, again, like, if you have a probation period and you don't feel well at the company, leave. Leave. It's there. Like, yeah. seriously, leave. Um, unless, unless you really need the money there, <laughs> leave. Yeah. There, there is always uh, ifs and buts, but that is also something you have to decide for yourself, of course. Yeah. Like, again, like, definitely if it's your first time, even if it happens twice in a row, it's not a bad thing per se. Like, it might make your next job a bit harder to find, but at the same time, it's also being respected definitely in the current day and age uh, where you speak out. So, if it's because some of diversity issue, for example, like, I don't want to say be a dick, but put it on Twitter or something. Maybe not with the company's name, but at least put it on Twitter so somebody who's actually doing a bit of research about you can find it and find a reason. Uh, had actually a CV like that where I was doing some research and found out found that out which I, which automatically made me be like okay I don't have to ask that question um, so those are things where you can you can play with it a bit like not all recruiters will spend that much time on you uh, for sure not all people who interview you will actually be interested in you but that's a different story um, but yeah okay yeah. so we, we let's assume you've written this perfectly beautiful stylized including birds twittery sounds and everything CV it's in flash <laughs> Thing. Was, I, I am not kidding you. I ever I made one of those ones. Why does you're that a bad person? Me? You're yeah. a terrible person, Warner. Like, why <laughs> would you on, do that? Was, because the company was a design company, and they actually had their primary clients were with Flash websites. So I thought <sighs> it was a good idea to have a CV in Flash. All right, maybe I will take my words back. Did it have a loading screen? Uh, it actually had a preloader. Yeah, there you which go. I had to build myself. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. All right. <laughs> okay, so, that's, so let's assume you've got through the CV screening phase. At that point, you get this recruiter call, which I think pretty much every company does. Uh, so, what are some of the things in? Because you guys have probably a bit more experience with that because I'm a bit later in tech stack most of the time. But what are the things you actually look for um, in those regards, and what do you expect from a candidate? As a recruiter, or yeah, uh, so, I mean, I I normally don't do that for a screening call, right? So I I can't really say that much. I know that what I don't want to have later down the road, right? Should not waste anybody's time. Um, so normally, in the first call, I, you know, like one one of the things that I that I was realizing as well while building a a recruitment. Um, pipeline is that many companies have the company culture interview as the last interview i moved that to the first step right so i moved that to the very first step really helped filtering out some some people that i didn't want going down the 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 funnel and and the main reason is because either we were not catching the culture conflicts that could happen in the in the job or there was not exactly some clarity while while going through the first uh, through the first step, um, people were just talking about like salary expectations, asking questions about the company and the product and the industry overall, and, and that is fair. Um, but when there is this this company culture kind of mindset where you have to explain, hey, this is what we do here, this is how we like to do things, uh, this is how we promote ourselves, this is the kind of things we do in in tech, etc. Blah blah blah. When that kind of questions were happening or answers were kind of happening 
at, as, at the first level, that cleared out a lot of people which either didn't want to go into or didn't fit, which was very, very good. Um, so, you know, I think on the first, depends, again, it depends on the company, but first screen call, what you want to figure it out is, is this person really interested in the, in the position? That's probably something very important because a lot of people just apply for a job just because they need a job and they go right after it and they don't really care if they're going to fit or not. Right. Okay. So then, hang on. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt for a second here because I, yeah. I'm going to, I just kind of want to flip this on its head a little bit because yeah. we're talking about this given our experience from the point of view of people recruiting. Yeah, what about we, from the point of view of that's people getting for a job? So essentially what you're saying is, you know, show your enthusiasm yeah. for the type of work that you'll be doing. And part of that is, okay, the job description has to be good enough and it has to have been explained well enough so you understand what you're going to be doing. But then you can show targeted enthusiasm for that kind of thing. Absolutely. Same yeah. advice, just I just want to turn it around a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I got it. No, yeah, also, absolutely. You have to show enthusiasm. You have to ask questions. Uh, you know, one of the things that really, really bothers me when I'm interviewing people is that they don't ask questions. And which either shows no enthusiasm or no curiosity at all about the company, right? Or the, the role or the job. Either you've done a fantastic job as a company and explain everything through a very good job description and a good call, which it's never the case really. Um, or the people are not just interested. So for sure. I mean, like, but that's not that necessarily a bad thing, right? You can still be not super duper into what or how the company does specific thing, but you can still be a good cultural fit and you can be a yeah. very good, uh, you can be doing a very good job there. That like is true. You, you, yeah, you don't it, have it to absolutely love the company. Yeah. And no, the, the enthusiasm we just mentioned, like you have to show it, but you don't have to fake it if you don't have it, obviously. Like, Please don't fake yeah. it. That's horrible. Yeah, no, don't fake it. I think people show enthusiasms in different ways, right? So more introverted people show it in a specific way, more extroverted people show it in a different way. And, and you can see that. And if you're a good recruiter, you're going to catch that. doesn't matter if you are an introvert or an extrovert. Um, but you have your ways to show interest for that specific position you're applying to. Yeah, you're still going to be a very good cultural fit here and there, might be, um, and a very good employee. Uh, but unless you show yeah. that a little bit in your own way, the other side will never know. Oh, and yeah. That is a problem. I mean, also, it takes, like, I know at least me personally, it takes me sometimes, quite some time to show my enthusiasm. Some, I mean, I mean, it can be days. So during right. the interview, I would be just this grumpy guy. And then several hours after, I would be like, huh, that was pretty cool. I also like again, that, that thing. You and can that, follow that up with that as well. Like, exactly. After every one of those interviews, you often get an email address of the recruiter or something like that. Maybe during the interview, you're a bit flashed, but you can always write a response. Like say, hey, thank you very much for the interview. I enjoyed it. And then maybe ask your questions then. That also works. It's perfectly fine. Like, and like Italo said, there's different ways of showing that you're interested. Um, like you can be me who's spamming people with questions, um, or you can be somebody else who says, no, I, I listen and I respond, like doing the interactive concept. Uh, you can also be towards the point, like you're saying, like, okay, I don't know how to do this face to face. Maybe it takes me some time to assimilate that and put an email on later. Uh, all works. And I think that is really important to, to keep in mind with these kind of concepts. Um, 
And now I lost trail. No, but that's just, that's a good point. Kieran? Uh, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I don't know. Um I mean I mean the th- So I mean the thing that's kind of less um relevant to finding a job but is relevant to something you said before was about moving the cultural fit interview uh first which is um be aware i would say of what they're looking for in a particular interview uh one of the things that i would really push that i'm well i'm pushing the company that i'm at the at at the moment to do uh is to move the technical test first because uh, that's where most of the candidates fall down and therefore you're saving a lot of time by letting them fall down earlier on and not wasting their time and your time. So, um, you know, if you're having a, an interview, if you're having a call with someone and the expectation is that it's, it's going to be technical, you know, just be aware that the expectation is to be technical. Be aware of the person that you're talking to, that this is another engineer or somebody technical who can understand that. And, uh, I just want to add one more thing now. I know my trail of thought again. Yeah. One of the good things when you're doing a recruiter call, like you said, is the context. And if you have a, a non-technical recruiter or somebody who hasn't been developing or something and they use a term, it's often also good to actually ask them, do you know what that term means? And if they say no, it actually gives you an opening to explain that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And this is something which can actually be a big bonus because it shows them that, okay, you bring some knowledge, you know how to explain yourself, you know how to articulate yeah. Um, that's actually something which I know some of the recruiters specifically use as well. Even though they know the term, they will say no. Mm. So it gives you a chance to explain something. Yeah. Definitely when you're going for a senior position, this is a trick they actually, which I've seen used a couple of times. You know, you know, one thing that I wanted to discuss, not in this episode at all, but maybe the next one would be the code challenge part. Like, because that that touches a lot of different areas. We have whiteboard coding. We have Google Docs coding. I'm not even going to go into that that Bye. much. Bye. See you later. So all, all <laughs> of that, it would be super cool to have an episode about it. Um, honestly, <laughs> talking. Just um, an entire episode of us inverting binary trees. Oh, yeah. In a Google <laughs> oh, yeah. Doc. In a Google Doc. If you don't just do use it, it just Docs, using audio. Happen. Come on, no Google Docs. Inver- it's yeah, a podcast. They don't do only, Google Docs. Exactly. Only Inverting. with their brain. That's it. Try it. Inverting but binary I wanna, trees with I talk about this. Done. I've just inverted a couple. One more. <laughs> uh. <laughs> there it is. Uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I totally I do want to do that episode once as well. The code challenge or the code review or the, the let's let's put it let's say the technical assessment. The technical assessment, yeah. That would be that would be amazing. I've so been how's... through some interesting ones. Where how do you see yourself in ten one, years? One last question for Kieran though, because he okay. said he disagreed with this recruiter call, and I'm still wondering why he disagreed with that recruiter call. That wasn't recruiter call, that was specifically a charcoal. And I think that what ah, might okay. be that what Mm-hmm. makes the difference here but I, yeah i think wrong. i think a lot of the time that that call has less value than the others um so but 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 when you say a call from hr do we mean hr or it's when recruiters are part of hr department no because i think i think the difference is that recruiters are quite often outsourced and so the value that you have from having a recruiter call is that that's not 
on the company's time. That's something you're already paying that recruiter for and, and that's their job. That's why you're paying them. The difference is that if HR have a call with you at the beginning of the process, um, usually it's to make sure that you're not a robot and you can pick which parts of the image are a bicycle. Um, which realistically, if the CV is remotely well-written, you can kind of tell anyway. So I don't think that there's that much screening out of candidates that happens at that part of the process that hasn't already happened by the CV screening. And I think that, um, a lot of candidates that are not really suited for the job will slip through that anyway. And then you'll waste time, like doing, you'll, you know, you'll send them the code review anyway, and then the, the whatever technical test anyway, and you'll waste time on code review and maybe having a technical interview and everything before like not accepting them anyway. So at that point, why have you had that call rather than sending them? So, I mean, Italo goes through the cultural fit thing first. This is probably because, uh, Italo's job, uh, Italo's job descriptions that he's written are probably more technical more tailored towards specific, uh, technologies and things like that. And therefore the kind of candidates that apply for that, um, tend to be, they tend not to fail at the technical hurdle and they tend to fail at the cultural fit hurdle. That's I'm completely guessing, but that's what I would guess from the way that you structured that interview process is that the reason why the cultural fit part is first is because that's where people fall down first. But isn't HR calling you is kind of an attempt to determine cultural fit as well. Not in my experience. It's oh yeah, it, that, that's it, what it, I tried to it, fix. No, 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 no. I'm not trying to say that that's a replacement for what you're doing, Italo. I'm like going back to Kieran's no, no, example. No. But it's that's what like, you're gonna say is what I tried to fix because that was not happening. What you just said was not happening at the HR call. Let's uh, put it like I this. See. Um, it's not because people would fail the cultural fit interview in the end of the funnel. It's because a lot of questions that were asked during the interview could have been answered in the first call. Mm -hmm. So putting a lot of those questions about culture, about all of that beforehand avoids a lot of people going through, you know, the whole process and then realizing at the very end that they don't like how we do certain things or, or whatever. Right. Don't and, like to work fully remote. Yeah, exactly. Some people just yeah. don't like working remote and then suddenly they would know it in the very end Hey, so apparently we're a remote company, so or, you know, Or, you know, we're not a remote company. Yeah. Or it's that. One, it's one that yeah. I've had. I've had I've had one where if I hadn't have asked early on in the process, uh, I would have gone through however many hours of interviews only to find out they expect me to move to Hamburg. And no, thanks. <laughs> yeah. no, we, we had a person who came to the office several times to have interviews and then came on their first day and didn't come on their second day saying that they realized that the office is so inconveniently located, so they're not going to stay with us. See, that could have been answered in, in let's say, in, in a previous call. I mean, they were interviewing on site. It was way before Corona times. Let's, let, let, let's pretend that you had more than one office. All right. <laughs> Just for the sake of yeah. it. Yeah. Also, like, I still disagree with the fact that uh, CV screening will get rid of uh, people you might not like that might not be fit whatever idiots as well yeah. like CVs are CVs people also fake them quite a let bit me, let me, yeah. let me uh, rephrase my point slightly 
If the candidate is going to fail at a particular part of the process anyway, you want to fail that candidate as early as as early as possible yeah. in the process. Therefore, absolutely. look at your funnel, look at where your candidates fail, and move that part of the funnel to the front. In yeah, the case which... of the company where I am at the moment, 80% of our candidates fail the technical test. I am advocating, and I am not succeeding at advocating, but I'm trying to advocate for moving the technical test to be earlier in the process uh -huh. so that we don't waste so, time. So, so then we're not talking about the gen generic case here. We're talking about some specific case and being flexible in your in like uh, building your pipeline, right? So you're not yeah. just, just However, stating that, hey, case... HR calls are useless no, like but every but every case becomes a specific case once you have enough data to look at and figure out how that works. Yeah. You can start with having a generic flow, but once you have a certain amount of data, everybody will say, oh, no, my company's special, my company's different because blah, 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 blah. Oh, no, no, for, for sure. It's just like your complaint wasn't about HR calls in general. Like they are just, it's useless to have them first. Okay, no, may, and, and, may I ask yeah. something else there? Because I think now we're getting into a totally different cycle, which we I are, think yeah. we should not we should not go into because it's going to take a couple of hours. Um, but I think one thing is really important here, which is time as well. And I think we've had to hit this a couple of times here during this episode already, where we say time is important. Honestly, I think a lot of people actually fail a take-home test or something like that as well because they just don't want to spend eight hours on your crap. Yep. I, I thought you're talking and, and about was, the fact that this episode is already like one hour yeah, and 20 I was gonna minutes say that long. Was a really That's good segue awesome. into me closing this off. <laughs> that is another thing. So let's stop wasting time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think if anybody wants to hear our thoughts on the technical test, they can always reach out to us because we're on Twitter. We're available at Criticalio. And uh, if anybody is interested in finding out about that book from the unpronounceable author... Uh, or any of the other stuff that we've been talking about that we have links for, you can find them all at criticalchannel.io slash, what are we at, 11? 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. Wow, we made it to 11, guys. Good job, Oz. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Maxine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we edited 11 of these guys. Good job, one of us. <laughs> yeah, good job, all of us. I mean, we all do that, right? I just turn up here and drink beer and complain about things. So Yeah, me too. <laughs> what, Italo's drinking beer? Wait, what? No, I'm drinking water. I don't <laughs> drink, guys, but I drink water. <laughs> I like your company. Oh, so are we done, by the way? I think we're going to wrap this up, so we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Bye. Ciao. Ciao. Now say it. Say it now. That's it. Cut.